I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome to That Final Scene, the podcast where we dive deep into the most memorable endings of movies. My name is Sophie and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Simon and Ben. Yo. Hello. Hello. And today we've, we've been meaning to do a summer episode with Point Break, but I feel like with this weather we should have probably done singing Dude, in the, the rain. The ending scene of Point Break is very rainy <laughs> yes. and inclement. As the, 50, the, 50, the 50 True. year storm, everyone. It's, we could be in the 50 year <laughs> storm right now. That is a very good point. Uh, I Bodhi just, predicted it, man. And also need the one way ticket to Australia. Yeah. Oh, does it only happen there? I think, so, I reckon, yeah. Is it not going to hit Brighton yeah. Beach? It's, it's, yeah. it's Bell, <laughs> Bell's, Bell's Beach. Is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, Bell's yeah, Beach like or something that. like that? Yeah. Well, it's where, it's where he says the, the gnarliest waves will be. Mm. Yes. I, I will endeavor to use as many surfer dude terms right. as I can today. I'm Gnarly. so glad the word Gnarly radical is my first hasn't one. endured. Yeah. <laughs> no, it certainly hasn't. Yeah. My Only dad Bart told me, Simpson and that movie say radical. My dad told me that when he was at school, they used to say stuff was wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people say, I feel like wizard made a comeback now. I think I thought wizard came back a few years ago. Wizard. Yeah, but kids say stuff like peng now. I'd rather no, say wizard. That's, at least wizard's a word. Been, that's been and gone. Okay, well, what do kids say now? It's been and gone. Youngsters. Even things that I think are cool. You still now, say gas, go- which I really like. Gas is very Irish. Thing gas now. seems to like keep going. Gas means in what way though? What, in what, in what it just way? seems to never get old. Like no, it, what, what, like as in funny, like as in something's good. Oh no! See, if something is gas, I would say it's funny. All oh, right, I think gas means funny. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. And if it's bad, it's like straight to jail. <laughs> Did they <laughs> straight say straight to, da- straight straight to jail? jail. Yeah. Skull emoji. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought I knew. I thought I knew how young people spoke. That's why. That's why when I hear them on the tube, it's like it's like listening to absolute gibberish. Ben, you're not exactly ancient. I know. That's the worrying thing. Oh that's the gosh. thing that worries me the most is, is that ben I'm not ancient. Positioning himself a long way from the youth, though. I know. You're well, always complaining on the train. Well, exactly. Young get yeah, on. but because I'm scared of them. I don't. They're so unpredictable. <laughs> I don't know what they'll do. It's like being in a fucking tube with a lot of pigeons. <laughs> so funny. Back to the movies. Okay. <laughs> what have you guys been watching? I watched Risky Business the other night. For nice. the first time? Yeah, for the How first is time. that possible? I don't thought, know. Like, this is exactly your type of film. Be- well, because I'm it's, glad got- it's not me on the Tom Cruise bandwagon this week. <laughs> yeah, because I don't really, I never really <laughs> liked Tom Cruise. He's turning into a podcast. <gasps> I right. never really connected with him. Yeah. I just, he wasn't my kind of guy. And then I watched Risky Business because I've been having a bit of a tangerine dream mm. like session at the moment, like musically. What does that mean? It's the, the, the group that did the soundtrack for Risky Business. Oh, I didn't it's know like that. A, it's like a, I think they started in the seventies or maybe even late sixties, and they were like synth pioneers, and mm. they played around with like minimalism and lots of like layers of looped synth notes, which is why that film has that hypnotic, dreamy feel all the mm. way through. And it's got that amazing track called "Love on a Real Train," which happens during the is that uh, the when train sl- sequence? Oh, sorry, I'm thinking Risky Business is when he slides in in his underwear, right? Yeah, That's Risky gift. Business. Yeah, it's a famous gift. Yeah. yeah. It's where, yeah, it's when he is, it's, it's, it's kind of like a Ferris Bueller for yes, adults. Yes, very yeah, much so. Yeah. Uh, where his mum and dad go away, he's very wealthy, from mm. a very wealthy family, and uh, he goes wild and ends up, uh, his mate ends up ringing a call girl to come around, and it sparks off this series of events that ends up with his him trashing his dad's car and mm-hmm. like yeah. getting into a fight with a pimp and striking up a relationship with this girl who's played by Rebecca De Mornay. In fact, I've got a clip of her. So I was reading up on the film a little bit and I've got a clip of her describing what makes a film endure. And I've okay. got it here Let's just listen. for you guys to check yeah. it out. Because I think it's really well put. You know, when you make a movie, the, 
the main players together have to have the same dream, I realized from that movie. The actors, the director, the writer, the DP. If they're all dreaming the same dream, and the script's good, it has a really great chance of being this perfect pyramid, which is what Risky Business achieved because of the players that Paul Brickman put into place. So rare. So rare that that happens. That's why that film is still a gem. Wow. Cool. What's interesting about that film is there are two endings because Paul was forced by the studio to slightly edit his intended ending okay. with like this cutaway where it's, it's slightly more of a happy ending. And he eventually was able to, at some awards do, like recut his ending. Mm. And you can check them out on YouTube, the two different versions. Um, and I've got a clip from his real ending here, which also shows you some of the really cool music in it. My name is Joel Goodson. I deal in human fulfillment. I grossed over $8,000 in one night. Isn't life grand? And that's the last words of the film. Nice. Really cool soundtrack. I love it. And mm. I also really like the relationship between him and Rebecca De Mornay. I thought it was mm. a really good sort of love story. Really well told. Cool. So yeah. That's very it. nice. It's the perfect hangover film. Yeah. Yeah. That's your highlight? Yeah. I also watched, because some people at work made me watch it, um, A Knight's Tale with Paul Bettany. And, and Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? It was fun. It, yeah. It, it's yeah. Like, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be anything yeah. else, really. What is it about? About a knight. It's a, medi- it a medieval comedy. Oh, yeah, shit. I've seen a joust it. Oh comedy. My God, yeah. Yes, a throwback. And the yeah. and and the poster is literally just Heath Ledger's face. It's yeah. like a classic he early noughties. Very hot. He's very handsome. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got a bit of a surfer vibe about him. He does actually. Mm. He yeah. could have been in Point Break. Yes, he could, oh. if they if, 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 was if, a re- if oh, wait, there was a remake. There is a remake. Yeah, if he'd still yeah. been a, still been alive, he possibly could have been casting that mm. and would have done a much better job than the actors in it. My hot take is that Patrick Swayze is what is quite good, but like that's Keanu not Reeves. a hot take. I, Patrick Swayze is great in that film. Oh, cool. Oh, I thought you meant that you didn't like the. No. Re- oh, okay. No, okay. I hate the remake. Oh, oh sorry. I no, thought, the remake's dreadful. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant the remake. Okay. I love Point Break. Yeah. Oh well, I love Patrick Swayze in Point Break. I don't love Keanu Reeves in Point Break, but we'll get to that. Okay. Because I feel like their acting range isn't quite. Okay. How can you not love <laughs> yeah. a man called Johnny Utah? Yeah, I mean, he's I not going to hit Lake House proportions on every he's, film. Listen, I love the man, but the it's acting very early, jobs are it's not. It's very early Keanu, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, they, yeah. The, the, yeah, the dialogue doesn't match the face. <laughs> dialogue His talking is very like wooden. The facial expressions don't yeah. quite. like the, Well, yeah. just because there are no facial expressions. He's like yes, he's a bit like a moody teenager, like belting out each yeah. line. Like he's a bit annoyed all the time. Yeah, it's like he has a teleprompter in front of mm. him, though. It's, very, it's like, very red, isn't give, it? Give can, me the can, give me yeah. the lines. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear so, him read. Yeah. It's very yeah. It sounds like he's reading it. Yeah, which yeah. is why Matrix. Like he was such a good cast. Mm. He was so well cast in that film because it it doesn't require a lot of that. It's mm. more of a physical performance, and he does that so well. Tangent. That's for li- that's for later. Tangent. Keep listening to the podcast and you'll hear the rest of that conversation. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the final scene uh, later. And his but, acting in the yeah, final scene. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Academy Award worthy. Some rain swept acting. So- <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the so the logistics of recording that scene. And it must have been really hard to like get the sound to work yeah, with all that with all that, dry, that driving rain. Yeah. And then How would you do that? 
don't know. You'd have to like protect all the mics and mm. be really careful. Wrap condoms around them and stuff like that. Yeah. Unless the whole shoot was like uh, re ADR'd afterwards. I was going to say, yeah. they used to do that back in the day quite a mm. lot, right? Maybe that would explain the lack of sync between Keanu's <laughs> lips and his voice. <laughs> In fact, the whole film was just done separately. In the yeah, studio. it's actually he's just he's just a half a second off on the ADR. That's the problem. You know, when you get like it, you get like a rip of a film online, and the sound would just be a little bit off. Oh, you yeah. know, and I, it's, I find it, like, that so your brain. Yeah, mm. messes with your head. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. What you've been watching? Yeah, Ben. I've been I've been watching quite a lot actually. So like I I after watching Marvel Civil War, I went and I watched. I kind of I thought to myself like, is it just superhero fatigue? Are these like, is it a thing where these movies are? It's just wearing on me and like it's too much. And I was like, I'll go back and I'll watch the first Iron Man and I'll watch Civil War because I really enjoyed that one. And what I realized is that I don't know if superhero fatigue is a thing. It's just the films are shit now. Mm. Like the quality has just dipped because they clear. I don't know if they're running out of ideas or whatever it is, but like the original Iron Man still holds up really well. Civil War still holds up as one of the better superhero movies probably of all time. And yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, so the new ones are just shit. Mm. Like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is a standout because it's actually a good film. The rest of them have all just been pretty shunky. I saw shunky. Guardians. Is yeah, that, it's on, yeah, it's on Disney Plus now, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I've yeah. Actually, I actually bought it for £14. Ooh, um, what? Why would you rented do that? It. Um, because it wasn't out when I got it. Oh, okay. I saw it a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but. yeah, and then I watched uh, I watched Juno the other night, which I haven't oh, watched. Since I love that film. Ages, which again, speaking of, like an incredible soundtrack, so good. Yeah, and like Elliot Page is inc- like everybody in it is incredible. Like Olivia Thrillby, Elliot Page. I think it could be like my favorite. Um, Jake J.K. Simmons, is that his name? Yeah. JK, I could be my favorite JK Simmons mm. performance. I, I know everybody will go on about and your poster of, of Whiplash, but actually he's just, he's so good as that dad. And there's so many scenes, I haven't watched that film in so long. And there's so many scenes in it that, like I was probably a teenager when I watched it last. And there's so many scenes now that I like, obviously we're going to talk about like films that kind of scarred you as a child. But there's so many scenes in that film that I see completely differently now like the scene when she tells them that she's pregnant and his reaction. And I, like, I, I turned to Ellie and I was like, Jesus Christ, like thinking about that now as like someone who would have, could have kids saying that to your daughter, like Jesus Christ, like how could you say that? And finding it like a much more, like finding it much more emotional than the first time I saw it. And it was just, yeah, just such a, like Jason Reitman's just. Yeah. Do you ever compare it to Knocked Up? similar vein I think I think Juno has a lot more heart than Knocked totally Up because Knocked Up is just a straight up co- like I think mm. Knocked Up is really funny but it's like Juno has and they're probably similar time as well like around kind of 2008 maybe 2009 mm. um, but Juno's just got so much more heart to it and there's a, there's a much like I don't think I ever really appreciated kind of how dark the storyline between her and um, Guy for Rest of Development uh, oh my god the lead actor from Arrested Jason Development. Is Jason Bateman? Yeah. Uh, the lead actor from Arrested yeah, Development. Yeah, 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 Jason Bateman. Yeah, her yeah. and Jason Bateman's relationship and how, like, she's this 16-year-old girl who's giving them her baby and how he kind of, like, gets quite, like, close with her and it gets really... See- like, I'd never really... Because I hadn't watched it in so long, I'd forgotten, maybe. I'd either forgotten or I hadn't realised it when I first watched it, how uncomfortable that relationship is. Mm. But actually, like, Elliot Page is just 
plays it brilliantly throughout the whole film. Like the, like, and there's so many good like retro things in it, like the hamburger phone and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Michael Sarah and his his orange tic tacs <laughs> was just so good. And that was a nice one to watch just before seeing Barbie on Saturday night. And you love Barbie. I've taken a couple of days to like digest Barbie, and I I say this without with no exaggeration. I genuinely think it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Like honestly, no, like honest to God, because I've really thought about it a lot over the last, like more than I thought I would going into seeing it. I thought it was just going to be this fun kind of fun film, and having seen Oppenheimer, which like the perfect way to put it is like Oppenheimer is this incredible film of like what you can do, like filmmaking as a craft of like what you can do with the way they did it so practically and the performances in it. Barbie having watched it is a film that made me like every second of it, I was like, this is why I love going to the cinema. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like, I'm just getting emotional now talking about it. Like I, I felt like I cried twice. I'm happy to say that the soundtrack, it's all produced by Mark Ronson. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it's the catchiest songs you will ever hear. It's so good. The performances in it are fantastic. It looks amazing. And it's just like, it's, it like strikes this perfect balance between being able to be really funny and then also really heartfelt and have a really important message. I ge- like, I genuinely came out of it being like, I think that's one of the, like my favorite films ever. I genuinely, like going into this summer, I thought Oppenheimer and Barbie, I'm such an Owlin fanboy, Oppenheimer all the way. Came out of Barbie and I was like, I want to watch that film on repeat. It is, <laughs> it is, it is that good. So if you haven't seen it, like... It's just incredible. I li- I've been listening to the soundtrack the last couple of days and it generally makes me emotional listening to it. Like I've spoken on the podcast before about how like a really good soundtrack can bring you back to that, like how you felt when you first watched the film. There's a Billie Eilish song in that film that every mm. time I listen to it, I, well, like I was listening to it on the tube the other morning going to work. I thought I was going to cry in front of about 50 people on the tube. Like it's just, it's that good. I, I, I cannot, I cannot praise it highly enough. So yeah, like, so if you need to go and see it, if you feel the need to see it and you need someone to see it with you, let me know because okay. I would gladly, Noted. gladly see it again. And I think you'll love the soundtrack. I really do. I'm just Ken. Mm. <laughs> well, and here, so here's my thing. And I think I said this in the group chat. I don't think it would win best song at the Oscars. I think the Billie Eilish one, if it gets nominated, will win it because yeah, it's just sure. like, as a, as a song, it's just amazing. But I want to see I'm Just Ken at the Oscars purely so we can see uh, Ryan Gosling and Simu Liu we and all to. the amazing people who played Ken actually on stage with Slash. Slash plays lead guitar on that song. And it's just, Insane. yeah, it's all all fantastic. Yeah. So Bronson yeah. never misses, does he? He doesn't. I was like, I, I hadn't, I was I, after I heard about it, I was like, I haven't really thought about Mark Ronson in a very long time. Mm. And then I was like, holy shit, this guy should do like, movie soundtracks more he's that like it's that good like it's and it's an amazing collection of like artists and singer songwriters on it as well so it's like a charlie xcx song which is samples oh mickey you're so fine there's mm. one that samples that song butterfly from the noughties like it's really really cool the way that the way he's done it so yeah if you can't see the film li- at least listen to the soundtracks it's that cool it's just so cool but yeah, rant, not rant, but like praise for no, Barbie. No, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, it's a cultural cornerstone for cinema. I think we're going to look at it, you know, 50 years from now, we're going to think about I like think so. what it achieved, mostly because I would love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations, you know, that Margot Robbie and Greta Ger- Gerwig had to have yeah. with executives and Mattel to get the story right, because they had to make a fool out of themselves to get that movie made. And 
I mean, the company is portrayed a very certain way. It never comes across as like foolish, though. No, 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 sincere. You know, it's very, it's, very it's it's a very very sincere film. Yeah, is it the um, opposite of the Nike Air Jordans film, which is like a ninety minute, like praise be Nike all the way through? Yeah, no, it's not. It's no. not praising Mattel at all. Yeah. It's not I like a. It talks about like eating disorders. Like it talks yeah. about that. Like when you see on. when you see Mattel in the film, they make a very big point about like the whole board of Mattel is all men, and it's like why is the whole board of the company that makes Barbie all men and stuff? Gosling's amazing in it, and Margot Robbie's really good. I think there's been like there's been lots of stuff where everyone's like it's Gosling's films, it's Gosling's film, and I I will admit he is fantastic, but I think you have to give a lot of credit to Margot Robbie to be able to like Barbie, which is this universally. Mm-hmm known and loved doll to be able to like have some emotional depth to that kind of character it's like tr- like trying to play bond with some emotional depth like it's really bloody hard and so the fact that she's able to do that and and like carry the film throughout that's why it makes it easy for her to be ryan gosling's film because he just kind of he has a great song and like he has some funny outfits and he and like when he goes on he's like the comic relief and has these really funny lines yeah. but she carries the film still like he it wouldn't it would he wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for her and the supporting cast of people in it yeah. so yeah i just loved it well simon you have an assignment now about what you do <laughs> yeah what about you Zoe? uh well very quickly i have a couple of uh, recommendations so the first one have you heard of the mini series hijack on Apple TV Plus, have you seen it anywhere? I yeah, it's the Idris Elba one, but I'm too afraid of flying to watch it. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Well, I I loved it, and I'm I'm not a big fan of Apple TV shows. Most of them I've stopped halfway through, but this one was just really good. It has all of the hallmarks that you need for a real time TV event, like Think Twenty Four. So it basically about a hijacking on a plane all the way to London. That's why disclosure, because we were sharing my kitchen. If you didn't know, we recorded Sophie's kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hijacking on a plane on the way to London and on board you have this passenger, Idris Elba, who happens to be a successful negotiator. Of course. Yes. And she kind of, like saved, kind of like saved the day. But he's just really well done. I think it's a kind of show okay. that, you know, keeps you engaged throughout. I think it's very well show. Uh, great performances. Episodes? Just eight or cool. nine tops. Okay. What, and, like an hour each? 40 minutes. But, oh, but, no, I could watch no, no. Yeah, yeah, but, I re- but that's, it, that's with intolerance. It's the kind of show that gets you like, you want to watch the next episode. Like, it's very cliffhangery. Okay. Like, it's, mm. it's clickbaity. You're, but, the, like, sec- in a good you're way. the second person, I think, this week that's said they've watched Hijack. Yeah, it's like great for like summer watch for sure. So that's one. Post holiday. Yeah. Yeah, when you yeah. don't ha- when you know you don't have to get on the plane, you're like, it's fine. Yeah, I can watch a plane it, being hijacked. Maybe go sit on the plane. Yeah. No, so. I'm flying in two weeks. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second uh, recommendation is about a documentary on Netflix called The Deepest Breath. I You've really seen it? I really want to watch that. I've seen all I've watched a lot of stuff on YouTube about it. Yeah, it looks it's the free diving. Ben, movie, it's right? so good. So it's produced yeah. by A twenty four. Okay. And it basically nice. tells the story of this like record-breaking free diver called Alicia Zacchini and her safety diver Stephen Keenan, and it's so well produced. It's scary. Like I thought it was a horror documentary halfway through mm. because I don't know the way I, they shoot like I underwater. I find the whole idea of free diving absolutely just, petrifying. It's I had so no scary. idea it was a thing. So to me, it was like, really? a whole, yeah, I had no idea that this oh, was yeah. a sport that people like willingly went to their deaths. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know. For me, that's just a bizarre sport. But the story and 
the relationship between the two which is just like very well you know told um cool. so yeah recommend the deepest breath yeah i've been mean i might watch that this weekend i've been meaning nice. to, i've been meaning to watch it like as soon as i saw it i was like definitely going on the list yeah it's rare to get like a document that gets you emotional like it just especially with netflix because they because they churn them out so much they have a formula <clears> as well and it's that you know what I've noticed with Netflix documentaries is that they follow the Netflix formula where like the first two minutes are basically a trailer. Have you noticed yeah. that? They show you the whole plot. Well, it's think, like a TikTok video where they yeah. show you the whole plot in like two minutes and then they get into back in 1975. Yeah, I think they <laughs> they hit the nail on the head with Icarus and they've kind yeah. of done the same thing ever since. They're, Wait, is Icarus the Russian cycling one? Yeah. Yeah. I re- is that a Netflix produced one? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, it was Netflix good. Documentary. I did enjoy that. And but that's such an unusual documentary that has, yeah. takes such a random left turn. I know, yeah. I think that's why I love that one so much. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about Icarus on the podcast That's right, because that one, you're like, oh, it's just another documentary yeah. and then suddenly it goes. Whereas I think Netflix yeah. are kind of like, oh, that's a good formula to use. Like, like documentaries, mm. even like Netflix documentaries are done in an unconventional sense in that it's like a normal documentary tells you the thing from start to finish and and then this happened and then this happened and this person mm-hmm. did this thing whereas Netflix ones have like a narrative to them almost like fit like filmmaking beats and narrative to 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 keep people interested and engaged as you say like to have that bit at the start where it's like it gives you like an adrenaline hit with all that like all this shit that happens and then you kind of like well, I have to fucking find out what happens now. Coming up on Below Deck. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch Below Deck, by oh the way. Oh, my God. Uh, it's brilliant. No, it, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I've heard it's, the best. It's perfect trash reality television. I've heard the best. Yeah. Okay. So any other records? Thick of It is now on BBC, which Simon yeah. told me, so Ooh, go and watch that. Shout out. I've been okay. watching that. I will, re- I will watch yeah, that. Yeah, do watch it. That brilliant bit where he's like, he's like, uh, to, to properly express myself, I'm going to have to use what? some people would describe as graphic sexual imagery. And I, I, I just want to make sure you're okay with that. <laughs> it's like, it's so, so brilliant and so intense. He just, oh. Peter Capaldi is just, it's funny. I can't put, watch Peter Capaldi in anything else because he's so perfect in that role at all. Like, sadly, it almost defines him. He's so good. Yeah, I'm um, happy for that to define him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, if I was him, I would be I too. I think he would be too. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? So our Queen segment is back and your answers to our questions did not disappoint. So Simon wanted us to ask you, what is one film that traumatized you when you were younger <laughs> and haven't re- revisited since, most probably. So we received over 120, 130 responses and counting. Um, I feel like we may be onto something here. I wonder whether, I don't know, like if you had a therapist, maybe they need to explore the movies that you watched as a child to, <laughs> to, to go through your yeah, forget, forget your mum and dad. No. Yeah. It's all like, about the films. It's all yeah. about a never-ending story. You what know? films like, did your mum and dad let you watch is the question. Yeah. How, but did you not always have a friend that was allowed to watch way naughtier films than you? Well, that was the thing. Do you know, coming into this, I was try- I, I rack, really racked my brains to think of a movie that like affected me in that way. And I don't know if there are many because my parents just did not allow us to watch. Oh, they were very anything. strict. Mm. Yeah. Well, not very strict, but like, well, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. We never had like, but also my parents weren't movie people. So it's not like we had like horror movies in the house or anything like that. My uncle was a movie person, but I don't think he would have let me watch any of the horror movies that he had. No. So I think there are two scenarios. So one is what happened to me. So you have older siblings. Oh, yeah. And then they prank you. And I they was the eldest, you for life. so yeah. Yeah, so that's what that's what happened with my sisters, where they locked me when I was five to my room and forced me to watch it. Oh my god, why? 
And my and what's the, wrong with your sisters? Oh, Locked no. you in your room well, as a five year old and yeah. made you watch it. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, they're not well, uh, but I love them. And you know what's the worst part? Do is they that, listen to this podcast? Uh, probably. What yeah. is wrong with you if yeah. you're listening to this yeah. podcast? I hope you've apologized to Sophie. Uh, yes, they tried, but they've done so much. <laughs> they, they've done worse things, Ben. They pretend like. When I was 10, I was in my bedroom, I was playing with my dolls, and they pretended to break into the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> they staged a break-in. With, my, with uh, how do you call it? Like a, Balaclavas. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and... How are you? How are you not horrendously traumatized? I am tra- like that's how three can you live on your therapy? own. Like yeah. just have to go through it. Like, oh yeah. my god! And I locked myself into the wardrobe this summer. Like, I remember. Anyway, going back to it, yeah. the worst part <laughs> was that the mo- was that the TV was like elevated. Was like uh, so, oh, so could, you couldn't reach it I to turn it off. Physically reach oh, it. No. To no. Oh man! Oh my god! Yeah. So That's traumatizing. I, yes. Yeah, so needless to say, I hate clowns, and I've and you hate your sisters. Since, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So scenario number one: you have older siblings who traumatize you. Mm. Scenario number two: you probably watched the film when you were slightly older, so maybe 12, 13, and you had access to something like LimeWire and you wanted to get naughty with your friends. You and got access to LimeWire, you want to get maybe, naughty with your friends, okay, maybe everybody's porn. on MSN Messenger, <laughs> having a good time. Maybe not porn, but also maybe porn. Um, <laughs> but you know, like what I found interesting about our responses is that a lot of people mention films like Serbian film or like the human oh, yeah. centi- centipede. Yeah. So these are films you would watch with your friends. Yeah. To like, yeah, like your friends, like, yeah. They would, yeah, your, like your, As you say, Simon, your friend who's allowed to watch, like, horror movies. Yeah, and then scenario number three, you have parents that just don't know that Terminator is not safe for children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow you find the VHS. Yeah. There was an interesting one. Somebody, so, and, and I think it's 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 a good one to mention because we just did an episode on it, but somebody said spirited it away. Yes. And, I, and they said, like, what was it? Always hit behind the sofa with no face started, no started eating people. And actually thinking back to re-watching that film for the podcast, I think if I had watched that film as a kid, that probably would have scared the shit out of me. Such a terrifying... Like, No Face is so, like, grotesque looking. Yeah. I don't even know if it's like a... It's a scary thing. It's like so just gross. Like, it's just, yeah, kind of like skin-crawling. I find it more interesting where it's films that aren't just made to be scary when it's like right. films yeah. that are surprisingly traumatizing yeah. that you don't expect to be. Well, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was another one and that's mm. not made to be scary. Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. is a musical, but it has this one incredibly scary character in it in the Joel mm-hmm. Catcher. Yeah, he's terrifying. Mine was E.T. And I was just yes, so scared before. of aliens. and like It looks creepy. Yeah. Out of context. I used like a triple testicle, yeah. I couldn't go outside in the garden when it was dark on my own for years because oh, no. I thought like, I still there could be an alien that. in the bushes. Mm. I still can't do that. Yeah. There's murders in the backyard. Also, the scene that used to really come back and haunt me was the one where they have the the sort of like clean tunnels and mm-hmm. you hear the breathing like that. <gasps> oh, yeah. I don't know why. And that really terrified me. We did get scary movie and scream quite a lot in, in Scary the movies in like the parody film. Yeah, which I guess you can, if you see it quite young, maybe yeah, it's still scary. Yeah. Well, um, if you don't realize that it's a parody, it can yeah, still be quite scary. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so someone said Mulholland Drive. I was 11. Yeah, it's a bit too trippy, but I wouldn't say it's scary, but I can see, well, the rabbit, it's kind of scary. Someone yeah, just said, someone just said Lord of the Rings. And as a yeah. big fan of Lord of the Rings and someone who watched it as a child, I need to know more. You need to get, tell me what scared you. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, someone said Requiem for a Dream, and I probably know all the bits. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like half the response. Yeah, I feel like fifty percent of the responses are never-ending story and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, mm. I remember. Remember the first time in Requiem for a Dream, I saw the scene where his like arm has gone bad from all the injecting, oh. and I remember being really shocked by yeah. all the. Like a fissure in his yeah. arm. Oh, God. I felt like retching when I saw that. Horrible. <sighs> the fog, the butterfly effect, Midnight Express. It's a bit of a stretch, but okay. I see you. I Someone, am legend. I found that maybe a little bit scary when I was younger. Yeah. Again, it depends on what age you saw yeah. that. Because I remember Vampire seeing I am legend in the cinema. Mm. You can't put your hands in front of your eyes in the cinema. You got to be a big, no. you got to be a big boy and you yeah. got to keep watching. True. Someone said Dick Tracy. I thought this was a good one. Hmm. There, was, there was a kid screening at a holiday park my family stayed in at, in France, which brings back lots of childhood memories for me, <laughs> when I was four. And the weird prosthetics creeped me out so much, I ran back to our caravan. Still haven't had the courage to rewatch it 30 years later. I mean, Big died 1987. I feel your pain on that one. We've hmm. all been to France and sat in caravan parks and been scared by something in the rain. Yeah. yeah. Priyank says the Truman Show because the scale of the fraud committed on this man since his birth and <laughs> his desperate efforts to free himself from this unseen conspiracy made me bawl my eyes out every time. Oh God. It's an all-time favourite now. I've seen it many times. It's a nice comment. Labyrinth, 1986. All the puppets creatures freaked me out. We watched it a couple of times as an adult and it still makes me uncomfortable. Haha. <laughs> It is kind of yeah. It yeah. is weird. It is that kind of like that's are they are, is labyrinth Henson puppets? Is it? Is it is. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why it looks so good today. Mm. Yeah, because there's no CGI in it. It looks so like fresh mm. and maybe it's been remastered or something. But it it just it beats CGI of mm. today still. Someone said Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from the 1937 film, but mm. I, I have heard that it's supposed early to be Disney creepy. is because I remember my yeah, sister's film weird. is uh, <laughs> the Medusa. The Medusa Disney film, is it? Is there a film called Medusa? Oh, I don't know. Oh, she's in the Disney film? Little Mermaid. The Lady with Snakes in her hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, Medusa, yeah. yeah. I don't don't know the Disney film, Yeah, I don't know the Disney film. Oh, I can't remember what film that's in. But anyway, Sarah was like absolutely traumatized by that for years. Yeah. Uh, The Exorcist, The Passion of the Christ. Mm. Well, now, yeah, (laughs) if, if you've been watching, if you were watching The Passion of the Christ as a young person, I mean, who let you watch that film? Because I know it's not a horror film, but who let who let you near that film? It's so graphic. It's like it, like it's it's such an uncomfortable film to watch. Yeah, could I have and also been on as a TV, child, what do you get out of it? Maybe what do you on get TV, out of it? weirdly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone said Tideland by Terry Gilliam. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm going to look that up. Somebody said The Road, which I agree yeah. with. That is just a horrifically harrowing film, no matter when you watch it. Yes. <gasps> My Girl. Oh, Emotional Trauma. Is that Macaulay Culkin? I think it is. I think it's really sad. Is that the one with the bee sting? 1991. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, where he's allergic to coming up, yes. yeah, yeah, it is really sad. We didn't have many people saying like emotional ones where the films were that well. Obviously, the Truman Show one. Like yeah, I remember and watching Bambi. <laughs> yeah, Le- watching Lilo and Stitch as a child and in the cinema, and I, I have such a vivid memory of being like, "Don't!" It was at like a birthday party. I was like, "Don't cry in front of your friends. It's really sad." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Vodek said House of Cards, nineteen ninety three, and I was allowed to watch that, I think, with my mum and dad or something. It's the yeah. original House of Cards, is that what BBC the, version. Oh, the BBC. The, the and that is Netflix terrifying. Really? In what way? It's much darker, I think, than the uh, the mm. new Net, the Netflix mega budget one. Even in I hindsight, no with everything space you did. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, Francis Urquhart is played by this really nasty sort of uh, British guy. Mm. And it's it's all played around, out around Westminster. Okay. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, if you ever get the chance to watch it, it's superb. Yeah. And it's much shorter than the Netflix. I would watch it's, it. Well, it's a film, isn't it? Whereas the Netflix is like five seasons or five seasons. I think, seasons. no, the BBC, no, the 1993 House of Cards was a series. Oh, it's a series as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. 
it's not as many. Cool. Someone said the most traumatic thing I ever saw as a child was a scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where Christopher Lloyd gets run over by a Already gets run over by a cement roller, yeah. And then his eyes pop out to reveal that he's a tune. Do you know what? Christopher Lloyd is really scary enough. I know what's, yes. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And he goes, he he's flattened and he gets up and he's completely flat and he goes over to like a gas canister and sucks the gas canister that makes him mm. makes him pop up. He's really terrifying in that film. And there's all those scenes where he like he kills the cartoons by dipping them in acid. A really, really traumatic villain for, yeah. a, for a film that is, is that kind a of a kid's that's film. Uh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. yeah. Who, Who framed Roger Rabbit's a great film. Mm. Fantastic, but that, but he is a he is very scary. scary yeah. <laughs> this one made me laugh. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> that basilisk scene was too much for a seven-year-old miss. Wait, the basilisk, uh, you know, the, the snake. The giant snake oh. that bites that? him that through the arm. That was very scary, actually. Yeah. I do remember it being quite horrifying. Yeah. Right. Another one, one for me was the ending of Mrs. Doubtfire that I found very emotional <laughs> because they don't get back together. Yeah. You know the way you and know that you know that game where you have to be like, I want you to get from this thing the <laughs> the tenuous you, link game. Yeah, and you have to say how many steps yeah. you'll get it in. We do that every episode with you, Simon, and yeah. it's normally about it's about. I'd say you could get to Doubtfire in three moves, no matter what I gave you. Probably. I think we need to do a Williams episode at some point. Mm, we do. Yeah. One of my dad's favorite films is Dead Poets Society. Oh, it's, yes. Incredible film. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Point Break. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. And we're back. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Point Break, the 1991 action thriller directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. So Point Break is a film that explores the themes of friendship, loyalty, adrenaline, and freedom through the story of an undercover FBI agent who infil- infiltrates a group of bank robbers who also happen to be surfers. The, the film has developed a cult following over the years and has been super influential in pop culture, inspiring parodies, SNL skits, and even, as Ben said, a remake, which mm-hmm. is not that great, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Yes. I've seen half, well, more than, no, more, probably the first 20 minutes of it. Yeah, and then I had dre- to it's just. It's dreadful. There's a lot more rock climbing in it. They do like this, this scene that's supposed to be like really yeah. extreme climbing up a, a rock face by a waterfall. So other than that, is it like shot for shot remake or more like an inspired? I think it's more like it follows the same story, but I don't know if it's like Vince Vaughn um, psycho shot for shot style. Mm. It's shit though. Well, it had no business being remade. No, it didn't. It didn't need to be. The film is good enough in itself that it didn't need to be. Mm. The film starts with one of the best lines ever in Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Like what a great <laughs> line. What a fucking brilliant way to start. Uh, okay, so this wasn't your first... Watch, right? You'd both no. seen it before. I didn't need to see it again. No, I don't think you need It's quite a vacuous film, I'd say. And it's not, even though I enjoy it, I wouldn't want to watch it too often because it's not a lot to it. Yep. It's not the sort of film you can find new treats buried within the fabric of the acting and script yeah. and stuff. But then I think there's, weirdly, having watched Heat really recently and two films that both came out in the 90s that are about two people, like a policeman and some of a different side, you know, from the bank robbing side of things, there's kind of similarities between the Pacino and De Niro and, and Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Even, the, even the ending. Even the final scene. Yeah. Yes, very much so. And how, like in like De Niro's thing in Heat is he says, like I told you I wasn't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze's last thing is, what am I going to do? What like his whole thing is about, like what would I do behind bars? Like mm-hmm. where am I going to go? It's exactly. And letting <laughs> him, him go to his death. Like 
Keanu Reeves knows he's going in the water to die. Like, everybody knows that. But yeah. does Pacino say that he's young, dumb, and full of cum? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Horrid yeah. yeah, but he, I... he might not say that, but he still does that weird scene with Hank Azardi where he talks about the woman's ass. Oh, like, yeah, come on. Weird. Like, yeah. there's weird scenes in both films. I feel like, and I didn't have time to research the film properly, but I have to say, I th- expected more from Catherine Bigelow. Like, for a woman directed film, it's very sexist. Dude, she's showing men for what they are. Yeah. True, yeah. In, yeah, I, maybe that. Yeah, maybe that's where it is. But I guess you can argue that for the male gaze as well. That okay, what's the difference between that and a, any other film that's actually sexist? I don't know. I have to think about it. I, I just because I was saying what two she days ago. Took the male gaze and piped it through Keanu yeah. Reeves. Yeah, yeah. As a counter argument, I thought that Laurie Petty's character was really interesting. And Ta- she, she Taylor was, is his T- Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. yeah. And she was probably you know the central piece the love interest the love interest yeah. but i also felt like you know looking back because uh you could argue that swayze's character was I mean, he claimed to be the most spiritual like surfer and like guru and all the bullshit but i thought she was the most spiritual as in she was she was in it for the actual sport and for the fun of it and to bring the bring people together i thought swayze was very selfish and Keanu swayze's was just story. chasing a high that's his whole character's thing now yeah yeah but it's, it's a very self-centered what, way doing, of living. doing bank robberies? Yeah, way of living. Like, he killed, like, you know, everything he did. Like, he had no interest in anyone but himself. He had a wonky moral compass at best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he uses that justification that every bank robber in every movie uses. Like, don't worry, the bank's got insurance. We're not stealing your money. We're stealing theirs. That we never thing. go to the vault. We only take We never go to the vault. We only take cash. We never shoot anybody because that is an important, that's, an, that's another thing that, like, it, the ex-presidents don't kill anyone until that final robbery that goes awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first time they actually kill anyone. They use guns, but they don't actually kill anyone. Yep. Okay, so we can jump to the final scene because there's a lot to talk yeah. about. And one of the most interesting things that I found or I've realized f- about this film is that even though, you know, it's like a typical high concept action film, it's ending quite, you know, like open for interpretation. Like there's a lot to unpack when you think about it. So the ending takes place nine years after the main events of the film. When Utah, Keanu Reeves, finally tracks down Bodie, Patrick Swayze, to Bells Beach, you're right, uh, Ben, in Australia, where the 50-year storm has started uh, producing those, like, deadly waves. I love the dialogue in this scene, so let, we can play a clip from it. You know, there's no way I can handle a cage, man. <laughs> it's basically the final scene of Heat, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta be that way. I think it's because it does the cliches in such an unapologetic way. That's Mm. why it's become so loved. Yeah. It's not trying to be cool. It's just being what it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, man. Okay. I'm going to go to jail and I'll pay if Johnny Utah gets this guy. Right? Good for you. That's real good. I'm going to be a big hero now. But look at it, Johnny. Look at it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. Just let me go out there. Let me get one wave before you take me. One wave. I mean, where am I going to go, man? Cliffs on both sides. I'm not going to paddle in New Zealand. It's <laughs> a great line. Yeah. It has so many good lines. It's been about this moment, Johnny. It's like a school play, I think. When you listen to it. It's very exaggerated. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Would you Look take, at uh, between this and Roadhouse, which would you take? Oh, this. 
Really? Yeah. I you I pick me. Roadhouse every time. Really? Yeah. Did you know, did you hear the Roadhouse line in this film? No. Where there's a line in the dialogue where they go to Patrick's Roadhouse. Oh no. Oh, yeah, uh, and I yeah, had to yeah. look it up and apparently yeah. it's a coincidence. But oh, right. I, okay. Okay. okay, so Yuta decides to let Body go and serve the final wave, knowing that he will most likely, you know, die in the process. He then throws his FBI badge into the ocean, yeah. kind of like showing that he's letting go of whatever. He's his resigning identity and like former life. Although and, everyone was quite twattish to him at the FBI, weren't they? That- yeah, but it's interesting. Uh, we can talk about it, but like he went but there quite determined to like get him, and then he had the fa- he had the change of heart when I don't know Patrick Swayze said like one last wave, man. Uh, and- well, what does Patrick Swayze? Do? I mean, apart from shooting Gary Busey, what has Patrick Swayze done to him other than kind of? Well, he got his girlfriend and then tried to t- threaten to torture her. Yeah, up until that point, naughty. though, I think it's 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 kind of all about him like unlocking this thing in him that he's been this pencil pusher like all his life since injuring himself in college, mm. and actually like he, you know, it, it as you say in like the most cliched way possible. He like introduces him to this thing because he said, "Isn't there one line in that scene? He's like, he still serves like every day after work." <laughs> well, your last thing, and that's the first question that comes out of the final scene: like, why did Reeves, I mean, Reeves, <laughs> Utah let Bodhi go? And in my opinion, it's because you're right. In the beginning, like I saw Keanu Reeves' character almost like a. What Cruz represents in Top Gun, the original one, mm. that's sort of like, I don't want to comply with the law. The like, I'm better, yeah, I'm better than everyone else. Like, very arrogant and or very Pacino self-absorbed. In, or Pacino and Heat. Yes, but he was more broken. I think they, he was like, I think. There's still a level of arrogance and self-absorption though in Heat. Yeah. That's way his relationship. For sure. For sure. I think I thought of Tom Cruise because he was quite young. And mm. then he meets his match or like he, who he aspires to be in a weird way. And I feel like he's kind of jealous of, Swayze. Well, and again, like with a lot of these films, it's it's two people who have like follow like parallel lives. You know, one goes down the criminal route, one goes down the like the pencil pushing kind of legal goody two shoes, goody two shoes route. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think we have this scene that probably early in the film that probably defines the dynamic of their relationship, where. And the Nikitis and you know the the crew attack. Yes. That's uh, actually one of my favorite scenes. It's a, it's a good scene. Apparently, it's quite uh, hard. apparently they used to. Uh, one of the things I read on, and it might not be true, but one of the like the little trivia bits I think on IMDb was saying that they used they trained them really hard for the fight sequences in that film, Damn. like for hours. And Kiedis didn't show up, which is why when you watch the fight sequence, he gets knocked out in the first three seconds. Right. <laughs> oh my god! So gets, I did notice that he's not very visible. Yeah, because he? he get because apparently he just didn't show up for the for the training. And uh, gets knocked out really quickly. Yeah. Sounds like him. Yeah, but the way the camera pans around the bad guy's faces. Oh, in that scene, yeah, the close comical. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's almost like kind of an Amdram. Yeah, well, Kiedis looks like he's that. like checking himself out in the mirror. He's yeah. like psyching totally. himself mm-hmm. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite funny. Yeah. So I think in that scene where Bodhi comes and saves Utah, it kind of defines the friendship yeah. and like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the lest protector. We for- lest we forget. Patrick Swayze beats it up. He goes, he's with me, War Child. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys' name is War Child. <laughs> it's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. And I and I do think, yeah, Johnny kind of feeds off of that. Like he wants that kind of person. I think in his there's life. like it's 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 talked about a little bit in the film, but I wonder it like does Johnny Utah kind of feel like almost that's the life that was robbed away from him by this knee injury that yeah. like is kind of mentioned at the start when they're playing American football and, and like somehow Swayze recognizes him like, 
you're Johnny Utah, right? The fucking quarterback out of Syracuse or whatever he says. And he recognizes him. And then as we go further on in the film, the whole, he keeps falling down and hurting his knee <laughs> towards the end of the film. Swayze realizes if I jump from a height anywhere, he can't follow me because his knee is so bad. And it's just like, that becomes a more prominent thing. And I wonder, is there something in that, like, that's what he wishes, he wishes he had had this high octane life, yeah. but this injury that he got in college forced him not to have that. And now surfing is a way for him to reclaim that. And he meets Bodhi, who is the like, the epitome of everything he kind of wanted to be in that high octane mm-hmm. lifestyle. And he always uh, want, well, accepted him, quote unquote, like for who he was. When you think about it, well, like the police, you know, FBI was all about, we're, we're not going to accept you the way you are. And I think he was accepted in that other like underground group. And he felt like that was the chosen family that he wanted to go after. So when, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze like gave all that, mo- I feel like it was the monologue in the end that turned Johnny, probably. Because I don't know how you perceive the last, the final scene, but he went to the beach quite determined, like with the handcuffs to actually arrest him. Well, he's been following him and for like following, 18 he, months or yeah, something. Isn't like that an, the thing? In he's an like, obsessive way, yeah. He keeps saying like, oh, I've gone to all these different places and I keep just Mexico, missing you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the only thing that changed was a monologue. That was given by, like, he had a change of heart, right, in that moment. So I'm guessing it was like, well, well where he wave. lets him do the wave. Yeah, it's it's really, it's the, yeah. It, it doesn't flow at all. In fact, I find the whole final scene felt like it was just bolted on from a different movie. I know it's a lot of times passed, but it just felt like we'd just gone into a different film. It was just too yeah, rushed. Maybe. It was too rushed, I think. Yeah. It needed more of a, a careful landing into that final scene. It was just like cut. It and it's like, oh, found you, boom, right, final that, wave yeah. done. That makes sense. That, yeah. It was a bit awkward yeah. the way it was done. And, and that's yeah. what that's what Heat does better with that relationship yeah. is because yeah. you get that scene kind of in the middle where the two sit down the for coffee room, yeah. and, and, and they they realize they're both like like there's the there's the thing in like it does get a bit silly in in it where he just like Keanu Re- Johnny Utah at that bank robbery just chases after them. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though he's supposed to be undercover infiltrating this gang and they're robbing the bank. He just chases after them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Patrick Swayze clearly sees it's him. But to, and then that changes the whole thing where it's like, oh, well, we know he's a fucking, he's a narc. And so we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to fuck shit up. And, you know. The flow into the final scene is really organic in Heat because the, of the way the chase kind of continues through various streets until it finds its way into the airfield, which then is where the final scene's played out. Whereas in- This is a cut. Yeah. yeah whereas in uh, Point Break, it's like, Suddenly he's in a different country many moons later and then he's walking across a bridge and it's so twee that he finds Patrick on the bridge on his way to surf yeah. or whatever. Well, like we, we leave uh, Keanu Reeves and what's the actress's name? Laurie? Laurie Petty. Laurie Petty in the middle of the desert. Mm. <laughs> and him and the other guy just drive off in a Jeep and get the money that has been strapped to the other guy who's also now dead because everybody just Yeah, dies. it's funny when that, I always thought well, they just left the other guy to do He's dead. Yeah. It's never even mentioned. This yeah. is like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, question number two. Did Bodhi survive the final wave? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think I'd hate the ending if you get a fade to black and then you see him crawling out. They or were very like careful to show you him tumbling down the wave, mm. weren't they? In the, yeah. In the edit. To, mm. to insinuate that, yeah, he's dead. I think. Mm. It's funny that the director and the cast have different opinions. So really? Big, I mean, Bigelow's like, it's open for interpretation. When I'm like, I, I hate this. It's such a cop-out of a response. And I get like so many directors do that, but whatever. Uh Keanu says that he died, mm-hmm. but Swayze <laughs> says that no, Bodhi survived because he was too good of a server. So interesting. And I, I think we've talked about like how P- 
people and actors specifically perceive characters and their yeah. and how and their motivations and how they show up in films based on who they're playing. Mm. So yeah, what was yeah. it? We spoke about That's that recently, where an it, actor it kind of disagreed with how his how his character would have ended. I think uh, Kendall, yeah, succession. yeah, Ken, yeah, in Succession, yeah, he kind of disagreed with um, yeah. the the writing of it, and he would have he would have ended it, like that whole thing about him walking into the sea. Yeah, would have ended it in a different way. It's interesting. Yeah, it's just the way actors perceive it. But I guess Swayze would say that. Yeah, especially if he wanted to make a sequel. True. Which unfortunately, obviously, <laughs> we, we, yeah. we never would have gotten. Because I would, I would prefer a Point Break sequel than a remake. For all its its cheesiness, and like, however good or bad Keanu's acting is, let's park that. The, the <laughs> park the yeah no I think no I, yeah no I think you can I think you can because the chemistry between him and Swayze is really good. Like there's a there's a believable element, and maybe that's just because Swayze is such a good actor. Like Swayze is incredible, and I think he the charisma is yeah so charismatic, like so like almost like watching that movie, thinking I was like fucking hell yeah, I don't know how to surf, but I'd follow this guy into the water. Like (laughs) I'd 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 believe this dude, I'd fucking jump out of a plane with this guy. Like hell yeah, I would. And then there's like there's there's other good relationships in the film as well. Like Keanu's relationship with Gary Busey is quite like funny and and like a, a kind of a weird take on this like older cop and then the new young guy and stuff like that. I like it's, it. Yeah, it's it's a, like really a nice fun. relationship. Yeah. I don't really know much that Gary Busey's been in. I just kind of know him as, oh, I, seems I, a bit eccentric and crazy. My first intro with him was Under Siege. Mm. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, there's some like, you know, cheesiness aside, there is some like, there's some really good relationships in the film, which I think, which I think Gary is Gary Busey's got a in. really interesting face. Very expressive. Like you yeah. say, he does good face acting. He does yeah. very yeah. good face yeah, acting, that's yeah. True. There's a lot happening He's in his really face. expressive eyes mm. and stuff. Yeah. And he's really good in it, yeah. It's actually, a sh- it's a shame that he gets killed towards the end. Yeah. Like he's uh, he's very good in it. Mm. But I think that's kind of what carries it through and what makes that, uh, that's that's for me what makes that final season, or final, not season, final scene believable is that I do kind of think no matter what happens, Johnny Utah would follow him to the end of the earth if he asked him to. And I think that says more about, like, that says more about Johnny than it does about Bodhi and that, like, yeah. he needs, like, he, Johnny has an inherent thing of, like, he needs a leader. Like, he's not, mm-hmm. he maybe isn't, he's not someone to lead. He is a, he needs someone who needs to be inspired and needs someone to follow. And Bodhi was that guy. Mm. And I think that's why he can't arrest him, mm-hmm. you know. That's why he lets him go and For me, gives him that one last thing. The reason why the final scene doesn't have any like tension in it is because if he dies, he's dead. If he survives, they're going to arrest him and he's going to go to prison forever. So it's mm. like there's not really... Because it's the way it's in a cove and stuff. Well, it's the way you go, I guess. Yeah. 50 foot walls on each side. I'm not going to pedal to New Zealand. And, yeah. and I yeah. think in their way, you know, nature will do its thing and mm. justice will be served, but not in the way... Not under the, you know, law or yeah. something. Yeah. Mm. Because it's oh, because actually in the final scene, uh, Johnny says he's not coming back. Like he knows that you know he's yeah. basically written his death sentence by letting him do yeah. the, ride the final wave. No, yeah, I think he knows. I I, yeah. I, I find it weird that Catherine Bigelow says like, "Oh, it's open to interpretation." Because I think he knows he's he's letting him. I, you know, he's letting him go because he knows he's going to die. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen to Johnny afterwards? Because he throws away his FBI badge, so meaning. He, he's going to go full-time surfing, and, I he's guess. He's going to open up a surf shack. <laughs> surf shack. Mm. Be a cult, cult surf leader job. himself. But he's got to get back on good terms with, uh, what's she called? Oh, nine years later? Tyler. Tyler, no. yeah. Because he did no. lie to her for a long time. Yeah, but then he saves her. 
Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. You know yeah. that the heroic yeah. moment where he saves her from the from the kidnapping that he basically and <laughs> he basically <laughs> forced upon her. That shouldn't she, have happened. She has okay. good reason to be pretty upset with it. There's that oh, there's that brilliant bit where Bodie gets him into the back of the van, and there's the the most nineties fucking TV recorder set ever. <laughs> where, and then it just plays, and it's her being held hostage, like. Okay, so you think he's going to turn into a surfer cult leader? I think he'll refer to... I don't know if he'll turn into a cult leader, but I think he... Yeah, I think he probably walks away from like law enforcement in general and mm-hmm. probably starts referring to himself as the big kahuna. Or maybe he finds a house by a lake. And, and then, then marries a woman who dies and sends him a dog and becomes a hitman and all Keanu Reeves' movies are connected for some weird reason. I love that. Yeah. The KCU. Yeah. Yeah. And then every night he get, and every night he goes to sleep, he dreams he's in a simulation. <gasps> <laughs> I mean the lake house and the matrix, are, like you say, Ben, are basically the same same thing. Yeah, two sides of the two sides yeah, the same coin. Just the same as point break and heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, can you imagine Keanu Reeves in heat? That'd be so good. Oh my god, never. If he was their teenage son who had a few Probably. tantrums, it'd be yeah. instead of is it Natalie Portman? No, yeah. not isn't yeah, instead of Natalie Portman, it's yeah. teenage it's teenage Keanu. I could see that. He has Patino, yeah, he has a Patino like like complexion. Like yeah. yeah like okay, I think we solved the ending again. I think so. Yeah. So any last thoughts? Any parting thoughts? Any parting shots to take across those um, mighty waves? I'd sum it up as basic but fun. Nice. Yes, okay. I would agree with that. I okay. would, I would call it high octane and uh, high octane and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Do you like guns being fired in the air and then? <laughs> well, do you know what I yes. love? Yes, because I love that scene because that scene has left a mark on cinema as well. Like one mm. of my favorite films is Hot Fuzz, and they obviously they pastiche that in in Hot yeah. Fuzz where he just can't. Uh, where where Nick Frost can't shoot his dad oh, yeah. and he does that scene <laughs> and uh, yeah there's they fall asleep watching that film at night and uh, yeah I just yeah I just think it's great it's so good I just realized we haven't decided on the next film that we're gonna talk about so that should be a surprise can we do whiskey for, business well for the ending we could do whiskey business yeah another Tom Cruise film I'm not gonna say no. Uh- <laughs> Okay, so TBC on the next final scene could be risky business. It yeah. could be something else we will discuss. We're going to take a bit of a break continue. as well. That's what we haven't said. We're going to take a little bit of a summer break for us to recharge the batteries. Maybe come back yes. with some new stuff. We're going to yes. maybe have a production meeting in the meantime and, and think of some new content. So. Over a pint or five. Yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll be back in a month or so with some cool shit. Yeah, mid-September, most likely, yeah. something like that. Sounds yeah. like a plan. Where are you off to, Ben? I am going to the Edinburgh Fringe for a couple of days and then I'm going home for <gasps> about a week. Exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm so jealous. Go and oh, see some cool shows. That'll so be good. Cool. That's awesome. I will report back. Thank you so much for listening. This is the team that final scene signing off. We'll see you when we see you. Goodbye. See ya. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.